0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. I'm your host, Tyler Kusunoki, bringing you the unfiltered truth about applying to college in the 21st century. As always, I'd like to take a second to let everyone know that my DMs are always open. My favorite part about doing this podcast is hearing from you. How are you doing? EDEA results are out. Hopefully, there has been cause for celebration, and if not, cause for renewed motivation for the upcoming regular decision and ED2 round. Would love to hear how everything's going. Please send me your questions, concerns feedback, episode ideas, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, this podcast is a community-first forum for achieving better college outcomes. My inbox is forever open at tyler at the accepted Podcast.com. It's tyler at the accepted Podcast.com. All right, today we have a very, very special guest. We will be introducing Maggie. Maggie has spoken on this podcast before, but she is a UK expert. She knows a ton about the UK education system and about what it takes to get in as a... Education options become increasingly competitive and expensive in the United States. I think it is always worth taking some time to consider what else is out there, how beneficial they may be, and whether or not these school opportunities and these educational environments are a better fit for you potentially than what seems to be the only option. So as always, I want to take some time to try to encourage everyone to think more broadly about what is possible. Think more creatively about what options are available so that you are all making the best possible decisions for yourselves. So without further ado, we are going to bring Maggie on and we will get started with this interview. All right, Maggie, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this podcast. I know it's a very busy time of the season.
1: No worries at all. Thank you so much for having me
0: all right so given the given kind of the situation now where a lot of families really are coming to us wanting to consider the various options and many start thinking primarily about us and canada but a lot of them aren't quite familiar with the uk and how it might be different and what might be the advantages and challenges of applying to the uk so wanted to have you on to just talk a little bit about that about your own experiences and just what you would advise given uh kind of the circumstances at the moment so maybe we could just start off by letting everyone get to to know you a little bit better, you can share a little bit about yourself and your background and what you do here at TA as well.
1: Amazing, thanks so much. So just to introduce myself quickly then, my name is Maggie, I've been with TA for, I think about four years now. I'm originally from a small village in the north of the UK um, where I grew up before attending the University of Oxford, where I studied French and Russian language and literature uh, before deciding to move to Japan and be illiterate all over again, um, which turned out to be a, a wonderful decision. So, yeah, I've been helping students apply to universities in Japan, in the US, in the UK, Canada, Europe, just all over. Um, but I do particularly have a soft spot in my heart for the UK education system and the kind of British application system. So I'm very happy to be talking about that today.
0: Describe a little bit the UK uh, education system because you kind of went all the way through it and into obviously one of the schools that is widely considered to be at the pinnacle of what education really is all about. Talk a little bit about your experience and maybe any major takeaways about what might be distinct and that you found valuable from your time there.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I think the really key feature of the UK education system, which is a little different to a lot of other countries, um, such as the US, is that it specializes from quite an early age. So by the time students are about 14 years old, they're already dropping some subjects and choosing to specialize in other subjects as they choose their GCSE exams. Um, So from that age, students are already thinking, am I more kind of STEM focused? Am I more interested in the humanities? Am I thinking about pursuing a language? They're asking themselves all these questions at a very early age and giving up other subjects and kind of not necessarily closing paths forever, but just starting to shape their academic profile in a certain direction. By the time we're 16, most of us are dropping down to just four subjects at school. So I have not studied math from the age of 16. Nothing at high school, nothing at university, absolutely zero, just for a a little snapshot of how intense that choice is so for me that was wonderful because i was a very bad math student Um, but for some students it might not be what they would aim for but in the uk we are really narrowing down to that focus at that age by the time we're headed to university usually our university admissions decisions are based on the results of just three exams So we start with four at the age of 16, and by 17, we've already dropped down to three. And based on the results of those three exams, our admissions decisions will be made. At university, we will just be studying usually one to three subjects. Often, people will just do one subject. So if you go to university to study chemistry all you will be doing day in, day out for three or four years is chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. So you have to be really focused on what you want to be doing. But you will also get to reach a very deep level of knowledge of that subject by the time your university career is over.
0: Okay, great. I think there were probably some students listening to this who immediately jumped for joy and were like, I'm applying to UK now. I don't need to ever (laughs) do math ever again. And there were, I'm sure, parents who were sitting with mouth agape, aghast. What do you mean? What do you mean my child's never going to do math? But yes, I do think that the specialization and that focus is a little bit different. And what was that for you? I feel like, especially given how early a lot of this process happens and how, like not permanent, but how kind of fixed this will be in terms of determining your next path. What support did you feel like you had to sort of make that decision?
1: Mm, That's a really good question. So I think when I started making these choices about age, 14. A lot of my teachers really gave me the pitch and tried to get me to choose their subjects. And I really did consider a lot of options that would maybe surprise you, Tyler, like electronic engineering. (laughs) I was a really good electronics teacher at my school. It was very vocational focused. But I did decide that I was more interested in kind of the literature side of things. So I took sciences and then history and French for my GCSEs. And then at A-level, I actually kind of went back on that. And I started studying art very intensively, having not done it at GCSE. Um, So I had to kind of make my case for that. And I presented the art teacher with my sketchbook and asked if he thought I could catch up. And he said, yep, that was okay. So I took art, English, literature, French, and history for my AS, uh, which is the first level of the two-year A-level qualifications we do at high school that our admissions decisions are based on. And then for my final year, I did French, English literature, and history.
0: Crazy. Yeah, that's that. I think that kind of focus is stands quite in contrast to a lot of more American. System, American style education systems, or actually just most education systems who are like, no, we want breadth. We want to make sure you're doing two credits in foreign language, two credits in science. And it has to be not just bio, it has to be biochem physics, and then also do a history. So it's a little bit Mm -hmm. more narrowly focused. And have you found that, did you find that to be helpful? Because I do find that a lot of what I run into with students now is they actually are uncertain because they have spent so much time exploring so many different things that when it comes time to make a call on what they really want to pursue, it actually becomes quite paralyzing. So did you find the fact that everyone around you was pretty much making up their mind pretty quickly? Did that kind of encourage you to figure out, out a way to make up your mind early as well?
1: Well, I think that um, through conversations with my teachers and my parents and other people close to me, I really started to get to get a shape of where I wanted to go. So When I was taking my GCSEs, I realized it was going to be either sciences or humanities in particular, maybe not so much social sciences. So I already was kind of narrowing down there. And then for my A levels, that was a really big choice whether I was going to throw away science completely. But I realized I was just very drawn to the literary side of things. I really looked at what I was doing in my free time, not just what I was doing in school and thinking about how I was spending my time. When teachers weren't telling me to do things. And that really helped me zone in on what I was most interested in. And then I think the reason I committed to languages at university was because. Although I really enjoyed literature, I felt like I really wanted some kind of practical skill I could take forward as well. So to me, languages were the perfect mix of that. It's a skill that I could maybe use in a business context, but it also gave me the chance to basically study books for four years, which is what I wanted to do. So it felt like the perfect marriage to me. But it did take a lot of thinking about what I wanted to do in the future and really kind of researching those university courses and seeing exactly what was involved there. like You might not necessarily think oh, languages would be a literature degree, and some degrees that offer language qualifications are not literature degrees. So it just took a lot of digging through university websites to see what I was really setting myself up for.
0: You don't need to live in Japan to experience our world-class tutoring and mentorship. At Tokyo Academics, we support thousands of students in over 10 countries, helping them prepare for the SAT, ACT, AP exams, IB, and more. Graduating from top universities like Stanford, Yale, Brown, and UC Berkeley, our tutors will guide you on the path to academic success. Your first step on that path is just a click away. Visit www.tokyoacademics.com and complete our contact form to claim your free trial and get started. We will assess your goals and pair you with a world-class tutor to make you a better college applicant. That's www.tokyacademics.com. Let's turn your dreams into reality, one lesson at a time. But because kind of everyone, it's expected that everyone is making those choices at that younger age, it seemed more okay to be kind of making those calls. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think for me, sometimes it's a little shocking talking to my American co-workers um, and seeing that they didn't, they had very different conversations. I think our school system really prepares us for that. So that's something I really try to offer my students at TA, knowing that they're not part of that environment where people are narrowing down in that way. I try and give them a kind of touch point to check in about what they might be most interested in if they're looking at the UK.
0: So I think that maybe then transitions us a little bit to what does it take to get to these top UK universities and especially for students who are not kind of going through the UK system that is already going to be narrowing them down but Are coming from these more broad based systems where in order to graduate from high school, they have to take a bunch of things that they may not be particularly interested in and then have to kind of dive right in and make a choice around their selection. So if you could just kind of give us an overview of the UK application process, what does it require and what are some major points where you feel it really, really, really differentiates itself from the US application process?
1: Good question. So I think the main thing is that there's a very large conceptual difference between what US university is looking for and what UK universities are looking for. And I think that boils down to UK universities don't really care who you are as a person, is how I usually phrase it to my students. Um, they're not really interested in what kind of community member you would be. They're not interested in your leadership skills. They're not interested in like your personal Integrity necessarily or your values. What they're really interested in is what kind of student you would be in a classroom for the specific subject that you're applying for. So they're not going to really be impressed by sports or by internships or by extracurricular projects unless you can show how they relate to your subject and they might relate indirectly like you might have gained some very valuable soft skills through those things but you're going to have to do the work of explaining to the university why that would be valuable for you in your future pursuits. So the people reading your application are largely going to be people from that specific faculty well it's good to keep in mind so if you're applying for physics let's say they're going to be looking for engagement with physics and they're going to be people who know what it takes to study physics at a high level and they're going to have some familiarity with kind of academic concepts of physics so they're they're going to want to see in your application that you have been starting to explore those things you've been pursuing your interest in physics outside of school you've been pushing yourself you've been making academic decisions with your interest in physics in mind
0: And so for students who are applying, what in terms of, I think in terms of what is prioritized as far as what you're presenting, I think is pretty clear. They're not looking for all this extracurricular stuff. But in terms of academics, let's say I'm coming from an AP system or an IB system, how are they determining uh, what Mm -hmm. they are looking for?
1: Good question. So there are occasionally specific requirements. So you're going to want to check your course pages for the university quite carefully to make sure that you haven't missed any necessary requirements. For example, if you want to be a doctor, you may very well need chemistry, biology, and physics at many universities. So you do need to make sure that you're first of all hitting those baseline measures of what you need, the non-negotiables. After that, you're going to have to think about maybe specific ways that you have tried to tailor your studies towards your subject. So, for example, in my case, I was applying for a very essay heavy subject at university. So even though English literature and history don't necessarily relate to studying French or Russian, they do back up my interest in kind of culture and my ability to think critically and my ability to write an essay. So if you're trying to apply for an essay-based subject and then you're only studying STEM subjects, they might have some questions about your interest and your ability. Um, So just thinking about how you can show those core skills and thinking about how you can show your interest, like was there a, a chance for you to do an independent project In your high school, if so, what did you do it on? Because if it was something completely different to what you want to study, that might also throw up some questions about your interest.
0: Yeah, I've heard just, and even just from some of the students that I work with, you know, that if they're in an AP system, for example, they basically just need to submit be able mm. to have four or five AP scores that they need to submit. And they, they of course, need to meet the qualifications, mm. as you mentioned. But beyond that, they are baseline then qualified to be el- uh, eligible and that this stuff is very clear. I think that the main challenge and the reason to some degree why this podcast exists is because the U.S. is such a black box in terms of how to get in. But mm. it seems like the U.K. is a little bit more upfront about what they're looking for. Would you say that that is true?
1: Yeah, I'd say the whole application is quite streamlined. If you actually go to the UCAS application, which is what the centralized application is called, you just fill out one application, you send it off to five different courses, which is what we call these programs of study in the UK. And that's it. There's no supplemental essays, there's no extracurricular section. It's all very, very streamlined and centralized. And you only need to be focused on this one thing, which is your academic interest in your essay. So that's quite straightforward as well. I think a lot of students are quite pleasantly surprised by how streamlined that process is.
0: And so if I, if I, and because I can only apply to those five and I'm only submitting one essay, I kind of need to all focus on just one thing. Is that correct? Or is there some flexibility to trying to get into different schools to study perhaps slightly different things? Or do I kind of really need to have made up my mind super clear and tailor everything around that specific thing and apply to five schools just to study that one subject?
1: Mm, Good question. So I get that question from my students a lot as well. Um, Obviously, it's very easy if you apply for five courses all called economics. That makes your essay very easy to write because everything's just about economics. Um, But you might find that you're interested in programs with slightly different names but similar content or you might find that you're interested in maybe two different kinds of subjects. In those cases, you can write an essay that hits on those points. In a lot of cases, but you have to look at the overlap between those different courses or those different subjects. So recently, I had a student who wrote an essay that successfully got her into a course focused on civil engineering, as well as an architecture focused course, as well as an environmental sciences course. So there are three subjects that have some similarities, but Are actually quite different and she really really had to workshop her essay to make sure that she wasn't giving away that any of them were kind of the the last of the five choices she had to be very very careful to make sure that essay appealed equally to all of them but she was able to do it and she pulled it off but in that case you do just need to think a little carefully about what you're writing.
0: Good. So I think that then may be a good time to then transition, especially if you're talking about these specific students, is fit. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the big priorities that we've always had is finding the university experiences that is going to best fit you, but also the one to which your current profile is best suited to giving you an advantage and going into. So uh, Mm -hmm. from your experience, because you yourself have gone through the UK system, you've helped students apply there, and you've also helped students apply to the US and everywhere else, what type of students do you feel really should take some time to consider the UK as a good option for them and why?
1: So I think, uh, first of all, students who have a very clear academic interest in one area, um, that's going to be a great fit for the UK. At the same time, there are a lot of what we call joint honours programmes where you can study two different subjects. At the same time, or sometimes three different subjects at the same time. For example, a really popular degree course is politics, philosophy, and economics. So it's not necessarily quite as narrow as you would think. But for example, a student that really has no interest in STEM and wants to focus on social sciences, they might find ways to kind of touch on several different social sciences within the umbrella of one specific subject. So students with kind of a clear bias in their academic interests, I think, should maybe. Check it out and see if it might work for them. Also, anyone that wants to get into the workplace a little faster, bearing in mind that most degree courses are just three years in the UK Um, and a master's is often just one year as well. So if you are interested in a master's, you could theoretically have one in four years compared to the US where it would take six years. Is that right? Usually.
0: Yep. Yep. So it can take a lot. It can take a varying amount of time. Four years is usually the minimum, unless they really, 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 really work for it in terms of getting credits done. Okay. I also have a lot of students who they come to us pretty late and they academically are quite strong but their extracurriculars are a bit mm-hmm. lacking uh, especially given how demanding that is for US students and, and there is some thought always around like okay well given kind of how academically focused the UK is in terms of its application processes would it be worth looking into that just because if they are strong academically they may have a better chance getting in to the UK
1: Mm, Yeah, I think that's completely correct as well, because there is very little focus on extracurriculars that will be a much more streamlined application to kind of turn around in the summer if you're coming into the process a little late. At the same time, I am saying that extracurriculars aren't necessarily important, but wider academic exploration is very important. So in that case, you're going to still want to try and show some evidence that you have been preparing and thinking about the subject that you say that you want to do. But in that case, maybe doing things like a little bit of reading over the summer is a little easier to cram than four years of extensive high school activities.
0: And I guess for the other kind of area that I was I wanted to see is because in the US, a lot of the pursuit of higher education is built around rankings, Ivy League and liberal arts school and top 10 Mm -hmm. and top 20 and all these different fields. What resources would you recommend for students who want to are interested, who want to start looking up schools, but have no idea how to evaluate beyond, obviously, I've heard of Oxford, I've heard of Cambridge, I've heard of King's, right? But how would you encourage students to maybe start thinking about it and strategizing around their five slots? Because unlike the US, where you can apply to as many as you want, UK, you only have got five. So what's some basic, uh, maybe some essential advice you would give there?
1: Mm. Great question. So I think what I often do is I do look at rankings, but more than for the overall ranking, I focus on the subject specific ranking. Um, In the UK, different universities are strong in different areas. And that is recognized by employers as well in the UK. So you might find that there's a university that's a lot lower than you expect that actually has a really incredible program in, let's say, biology. And that actually might be a better fit than, you know, trying to go to Cambridge but maybe it's not quite the right atmosphere for you. So that's one way to start looking at kind of the overall impression people have of the the different universities. I would also say a lot of students come to me really focused on London because they obviously it appeals as a city, it's a very popular student city, it's very diverse, very fun, very interesting. I would like students to remember that even very small universities or universities in slightly out-of-the-way places The UK has a really strong focus on student experience and I think that the overall academic standard of most of our universities is quite high so I would really encourage them to be broad with the search. I would also say uh, looking at Scotland is a really good option if you're not quite ready to commit to just one subject. Scotland tends to offer four-year degrees with a little bit more flexibility in your first two years to explore different subjects. So that would be another kind of point of entry for your research if you think that might be you. And then I would make sure as you're building out your list, you're keeping a reach target safety strategy in mind. You're not just aiming for five top, top universities. And the way you can find out which might fit you the best in terms of that is by looking at the entry requirements. The UK always has extremely strict entry requirements about the specific grades you need to have to enter that course. There's not really any wiggle room there, at least for most kind of top 20 universities. So you can use that as a pretty strict guide to help you categorize reach target safety.
0: Awesome. And do you have any sort of go-to websites? Like what should I be typing into Google to find a kind of consolidated place of these rankings by subject that you mentioned?
1: So one that I use, especially for higher ranking universities, is Times Higher Education or T-H-E. It's a British based one. So you'll see that the UK universities are ranked more highly <laughs> than they are in the US rankings. Um, but I think they have pretty good insight into kind of they have their pulse on what's kind of considered at the top, I think quite effectively. Um, I also use the Guardian University rankings, Mm -hmm, which is a very mm -hmm. different kind of ranking system, where they are really focused on student experience and class size and things like that. Not so much things like research quality or international recognition. It's a lot more about the student experience. So I think if you're not going for those kind of top 10 powerhouse names, necessarily, I think that's a really good alternative perspective.
0: All right, great, Maggie. Thank you so much. I think that as the demand for higher education increases, I think that more people need to start looking at the what else is out there. I think uh, Harvard, Stanford, Princeton are at the be all end all of great education, and uh, again, fit is such a priority. So, being able to learn a little bit more from you about what the UK has to offer is always going to be valuable. So, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on i know you have to run off to take care of your students now we all have deadlines that are pending uh upcoming but uh, thank you so so much for your time and for your advice and we look forward to having you on again
1: thank you so much tyler it's been a pleasure
0: all right thank you all right, thanks again for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusinoki, and thank you again, Maggie, for taking the time to come on and share a little bit more about the UK. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Do join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, if you platform of choice. Do follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. We also do regularly host events, both in person and online. So if you're interested in attending free info sessions with myself or real admissions officers, do check us out at slash events. That is slash events. That's it for today. And remember, the key to getting in is getting ready. Thank you.